Welcome to the Embrace Podcast. I'm Andrea, and by tuning in, you'll hear both encouraging and entertaining stories of faith from my circle of friends, Christian authors, and experts in the fitness industry. For listening today, I'd like to offer one month free to my daily workout program with code EmbracePodcast at EmbraceMovement.com. That's EmbraceMVMNT.com. Today we have on Monica Swanson. She's the author of the book, Boy Mom, and she offers so much wisdom in how to model our faith and build character in teenage boys. Embrace Movement, I am so excited to introduce Nicole Smithy to you. She is a friend that I got to have coffee with and then eventually go on a double date with my husband and her husband last year. And over the year, I've been so inspired by her. Nicole, go ahead and say hi. Oh, hi, friend. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Nicole is a local NYC um, female company owner at Iridescent Women. Can you please tell me more about that? Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Iridescent Women is a digital media platform that I co-founded a couple years ago now, like two and a half years ago. Uh, And we offer articles, videos. We have a podcast as well, resources for women. And our heart is to champion the brilliance of women and to create an online community through our platform where women could share their stories, their insights, their experiences, where we could speak to things that are relevant, that are taking place in a women's life, women's lives. And and also just what's happening in culture at the moment that's affecting women, as well as speak to faith and spirituality and what it looks like to engage in faith in the times that we're living in. And uh, we also just recently this year launched a membership program. So beyond what we're offering to our subscribers, we wanted to take it a step further. And um, through our membership program, we have online events where we get to hear from different women and sharing their expertise, their experience. We just have fun together. We also have a resource of the month. There's a women supporting women directory. And we get to partner with a lot of female-led brands and businesses to offer exclusive discounts to women to support small uh, female-led businesses. And we're really excited because actually you guys have been a partner from very early on. We've been able to partner with Embrace Movement. You've been on our podcast. You're very much a part of Iridescent Women. And I absolutely love that because that is what Iridescent Women is all about. And we're just really grateful, We're grateful to be doing the work, grateful to create an environment for women to uh, to feel seen and heard in a digital space, to be equipped and empowered and encouraged and inspired. Um, and yeah, all of that takes place at our website, iridescentwomen.com, and then on Instagram at iridescentwomen. And then you can also join membership on our website as well. Mm, thank you so much. Wow. You've got that down girl. Um, <laughs> I, one time you told me about your routine in the morning and you, you know, it was the wake up the coffee. Can you like walk us through that? What that looked like for you? Yeah. Well, I am a morning person and like always have been, you know what I mean? So I guess I have to say that as a disclaimer, because if you're like not a morning person, you're like, I don't want to hear this routine. Uh, but, uh, but for me, I really enjoy my mornings and, uh, I'll get up a little earlier than, uh, Ben and I always have coffee. I've, I've tried for certain times in my life to not have coffee, but coffee is a great way for me to start the day. And the people around me thank me for that. So uh, coffee, and then I read my Bible and I sit down and I pray and I read and just have some minutes of reflection and prayer and a little bit of journaling these days as well. And then um, from there I'll work out. If for some reason the schedule is a little different, I have an early morning, then I'll work out after work, but I kind of like to work out in the morning. That's just a little bit when my energy is a little higher. Um, But those things are like really important to me before. uh, And after I've done that, like Ben's up. So then we get to eat breakfast sometimes together and then go to, you know, go to work, whatever that looks like. Sometimes it's just a different room these days, right? But go to work. Um, But it's really important for me to start my mornings that way. And I am really, uh, as much as like, like, I just, I, I always protect my mornings. Like they're kind of sacred space for me. And I think for now, I just really uh, need it personally. And I think it sets my intention for the day and my focus and just in, uh, invites God to lead my day as opposed to me just going about my day and then like hoping God co-signs on what I do, you know, it's like a different. Ooh, that's really good. Like that's, that's a way you can really put God first and go, Hey, here's yeah. your space. And let's do this together rather yeah. than being like, okay, did you, were you cool with that? 
I mean, yeah. that's, that's a really good way to put it. I like that. So do you think that if you had, you know, flip-flopped it and let's say you just got up, went to work, whatever. And then at the very end of your day, tried to get in the word or tried to do your workout. Do you think one of those things would probably end up falling through? Oh, for sure. <laughs> and it would probably be sadly, it'd probably be the workout, you know, just because of, uh, one, I don't know, physically I'm a bit tired mentally or whatever, but I will say this, which is really interesting. Like the days that I do make the decision, cause I wasn't able to work out in the morning to work out after work. I always afterwards feel like, Oh man, I got to like mentally unwind. That was really good for me. So, uh, I don't know. I think, you know, it's, there's a payoff to working out after work as well, but um, but yeah, I don't think I'd be able to accomplish all of those things and certainly not time in the word um, that I think that'd be more difficult for me because when the day gets going for me, my brain is going, I've got lots of things in my head. So I think it's like harder for me to be like, okay, I'm reading the Bible and I'm actually present and I'm like connecting with what I'm hearing yes. and giving, like, I have the space mentally and even just emotionally and like the, the atmosphere to just like hear God speak to me. But that being said, like I, you know, some, some really close friends of mine who like love Jesus, follow Jesus, like they are night owls and they like love to get into a space in their room where like everybody else is sleeping and done with the day. And they're like, all right, I'm on, let's do this. You know? So I think it's probably just the way I'm wired as well. Yeah, it's very difficult in this day and age. We have lots of notification, text messages, emails, DMs, things coming at us that are urgent. And then sometimes we lose sight of what's important, right? Yeah. Um, so just something fun for our, our community. What's your favorite kind of workout? Uh, my favorite kind of workout is, I'm really, okay. I have a love-hate relationship, I should say, with burpees, which I think every human does. I'm just yep. gonna- so mm -hmm. I hate them when I'm doing them. And afterwards I'm like, that was great. I did that. <laughs> so It's uh, accomplishment, right? It's yeah. like, wow, it you know really what? Is. It really is. <laughs> I didn't think I would say this a couple years ago. Um, a couple years ago, my answer would have been running. Like I really have always enjoyed running. Uh, but then I moved to New York city and it's like, I came from California and Southern California where it's just warm and pleasant all year round. So it's easy to go run outside. And then I moved to New York and I was like, wow, there's seasons and it gets really cold and I don't want to run when it's, you know, in snow and stuff. So for me, it kind of changed up my routine and I needed to find something new. So now I would say I really enjoy strength training. Um, and that's kind of like my favorite thing. I never thought I would lift weights. I've kind of always looked at myself as like, a very weak person physically. <laughs> like, and I mean that in like a very weird way, but I've always just been like, ah, oh, I don't know. I don't like, I'm not strong physically. I, I can sure. be fast. I can run or I can do other things, but, um, and, but to be able to like lift weights and it's helped my man, as I'm getting older, it has made a huge impact in just even the health of my body, how I can move and be mobile and be present. And I have two goddaughters that I hang out with a lot and they are getting bigger and they weigh more and being able to hold them and do all those things. Like I actually take a lot of pride in being able to do that now, but that's because I started lifting weights and doing things that are intentionally strength training for me. So I'd have to say that, but I wouldn't have said that a couple of years ago. And I kind of had even a lot of myths about what I could do in terms of lifting weight as a woman. And so Embrace Movement has helped me a ton with that, um, you know, as well as just some other people in my world who are, you know, personal trainers or their background is in fitness and being like, no, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> totally lifts the weights, get on board with this, like, you need to do this, you know, and now I actually enjoy it. That's awesome. I mean, a lot of trainers are like, come on, what are you talking about? You know, if somebody's like, oh, McDonald's is healthy and they're like, what? But then like, you know, then the, the strength thing with women, it's actually a very popular thing for yeah. women to be, maybe not afraid is the right word, but hesitant because maybe they don't know how to do it or they don't want to do it around a bunch of other men in the gym where there's not a lot of women present and also maybe make, making a mistake or messing up their form. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's an educational thing too. Um, I loved being back on, you know, your guys's podcast a, a year ago. I didn't know if it was going to be online or if it was in person. I was very like, pleased to meet you and Alex be, you know, face to face and um, kind of sit in a room together, which seems really foreign now, but yeah. it was exciting. And, and 
being able to tell you about like the workouts that we did in the CrossFit games and sharing like what um, is behind, you know, that lifestyle of fitness and health and why it drives some people and gives them this extra boost of, you know, determination to kind of accomplish those goals. And afterwards I'm like, okay, let's do a workout. And you guys are like, wait, what? And then you're like, well, actually we could. And guys, I will never forget. Nicole's wearing black skinny jeans. Okay. Very stretchy apparently. And then like a black t-shirt, you know, kind of tucked in really trendy looking. Okay. And, and maybe some jewelry. And she's like, all right, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, okay. Do, you know, cause we're at her house. I'm like, do you want to change? And she's like, no, like I can do anything in these look watch. And she does a couple of air squats and I'm like, you are ready. Let's get this party started. So we turn on the music, we get the cameras set up and you guys wouldn't want to watch this video. It probably would only be entertaining to us. So I won't show you, but you know what, for my memory bank, I love reliving it. And Alex was like, I think she was doing dips on the couch at one point. And she was like, why am I sweating? We've only been working out for two minutes. Why am I sweating? And I was like, this is amazing. And I think the whole thing lasted maybe six minutes, maybe five. And at the end, you know, we were laughing, we had a good time. We were, we had been moving and, um, you know, kind of guiding each other and encouraging each other. But, um, I know what you mean when it, when you say at the end of the day, I need to unwind because that five o'clock comes around and your body after sitting all day, you don't feel like maybe working out is like going to be like something that's even realistic. But then once you do it, you're like, Oh, okay. Now I can just enjoy, you know, whatever's next. So that was definitely a fun memory I have. Oh my goodness. It was so (laughs) fun. We were like, we were definitely not ready to do work. You're like, let's work out. And Alex and I were like, right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. And Alex, so Alex had said that her um, husband had yeah. tried it, right? She had yeah, tried working out like that. Yeah. And so, so we, I, she was like, oh, I just could never do that. She, I, she just kept saying like, it's for him, not for me. And I was like, why not? She yeah. said, I had twins. I'm like, but how long ago you could totally work out. I'm like, you don't even need to wait. Let's do some squats. And then afterwards she was like, so that's all just, if, if you, if you're stronger, you add more weight. And if you're newer, you just do body weight. I'm like, yes, it's, it's very scalable to a new person or to someone that has been doing it forever. You know, the movements are the same. It just looks different for each person, you know? Yeah, that's right. And I do think that that was really like, uh, a great moment for her because afterwards she actually started working out more regularly. And like she today works out and lifts weights more than she ever has in her entire life, which I mean, if you've wow. met her, she's like stunning, she's gorgeous. So like whatever, but she <laughs> is, it, she, she's like loving it now. And it's so wow. fun to, to see that, but I think you played a big role in that. So, you know, <laughs> great things began in the living room of my apartment as we were doing it. Hashtag never forget. Seriously. Yeah. I, I really do remember that being a really fun time, especially because, you know, seeing you guys online, um, following up from that, hearing the voice behind iridescent women, it has been cool to kind of feel also kind of side by side as embrace started. I kind of looked up to you guys and was like, you know, we're both doing it. We're both in this, you know, New York city culture. And we're, we're kind of trying to encourage and support women from, from a phone and a laptop and a notebook, but putting it out there so other girls can thrive. And, you know, it's, you know, people say, you know, follow your dreams. And right now in COVID, it's not possible for everybody to be able to yeah. follow that dream they always had. But you guys were definitely the start of me going, okay, you know, what? look at what they've done. And mm-hmm. I can, you know, try to try to start that, you know, that first step forward, first step forward until it really became, you know, um, what it was. So I'm really pumped for that too. So oh. thank you. Um, okay. So I have a question about iridescent women and it does have to do with Alex and she's also a co-founder. Um, so I love that you guys embrace culture and you address the issues in real time. I mean, something comes up, it's gotta be really hard to plan ahead on what to talk about for certain weeks, holidays. Okay. That's an easy one, you know, but I mean, let's say a little bit closer into politics or what's in the news. You can't really plan as far ahead. So you know, how do you guys do that and, um, you know, talk to the world and embrace it without, um, being afraid on, of stepping on people's toes or maybe, um, being afraid of being on one side of the political, um, you know, uh, just battle, I guess it sometimes is going on, um, you know, without kind of losing followers or offending anybody, how do you do it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, and especially this last year, right. And into this year, like, I just think the political climate has gotten so much more 
even divisive and polarized and um, just a lot of heartbreak. I think that we've been witnessing as a result of that, or, uh, you know, is an expression of that for sure. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting time to be speaking to things that are relevant and in real time, but that was our commitment. So we've had to learn a few things along the way. We have a really amazing team of regular writers for us. We always, one of the things that was really important to us at Iridescent from day one was like, we are a platform for women by women. So you're not just going to hear one voice. If somebody has something they want to share, then we want to create space for them to be able to share that and have a team of editors and just have a team around who can bring that, that uh, article to life or that perspective to life or give voice to something. So we have regular writers that have come out of that as well. And so if there's something that's really, you know, um, comes up, we weren't planning on this, but it's a life event. It's something that's happened in, in, in our um, political landscape or just in our world today news then we will often have writers who are like, you know what, I want to speak to that. And I'm going to get, I'm going to write that right away. Or I'm going to, you know, tackle that piece. And we're really grateful for that. And that we've earned the trust with them both ways to be able to know like, wow, you're going to really bring something to light. That's going to be honest. That's going to be challenging. That's also going to be very encouraging instead of attacking or, you know, add, add division to a topic that's already pretty heavy or just something that's very fresh in people's world. So We've been able to do that. I'm really grateful for, for the, the, those relationships with writers to be able to do that. Um, internally as a team, we've kind of put, put some things on a really like strategic and tactical level. We put things in place so that um, as news events are coming in, we are tracking them and then we are making decisions about which ones we feel like are really relevant to a woman right now or good for her to know about to speak to. So sometimes we're really just informing women and not trying to do anything else with it, you know? Um, and, and, and point them to directions where they can hear more about what's happening and become more informed. And then other things we certainly are gonna um, give space for us to reflect, to process, um, to, to really go, okay, what is happening in the world? And what does that mean for us as individuals? And how do we respond to this? So sometimes mm. it really depends on what it is. I think another thing for us has just been, um, we really have tried to stay true to our values as a company. And we are, we've created a space where for a Christian woman, she would feel really, really comfortable in our site. Like she'd feel like this is home for her. She'd get a lot out of it. But we also wanted to create space for somebody who's just on the journey of figuring out faith who might not be a Christian, but is, is searching and looking that it would be a really safe space for her as well. So we've never put ourselves out there as a completely like we are just for Christian women only. That's actually not our heart. We were hoping to reach more and more women, but our values are very Christian in nature. Like it's just that's something that's that's we're, we're, we're believers. We're going to build things that honor God, that help people that, you know, reflect uh, the good news of Jesus in one way or another. So we were really clear on our values before we even launched the company. And the values have acted like such a great compass for us, to be honest, so that when we're wondering, how do we approach this topic? We kind of always go back to those values and pray and go, okay, well then what is the, what is the thing that we can say that is actually gonna help women at this moment um, and point them to just to truth, you know, to truth and to love and to grace and to those things that are very core to who we are as believers. So. That's been, and, and then at the end of the day, I guess one other thing that's worth saying is like, there's kind of nothing that you can say right now of any significance that doesn't offend somebody. So we've stopped trying to like not offend anybody <laughs> and just decided we're going to be true to our values and our mission. And hopefully more often than not, we are encouraging and empowering and doing the thing that we want to do. But every now and then, if we do, um, you know, offend somebody. We're not trying to, but if we do, we're okay with that as well. We just have to be because that's the world that we're living in. Um, and yeah, I think for, I think we've, we've managed to talk about some really, really tough topics that can be very polarizing in an honoring way. And I think for the most part, um, that's landed really, really well on women. And we've never had one thing that we've done so far that people have been like, oh, the masses are really offended. We, 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 had, we took a hit really hard for that. Um, but sure, we've had people who go, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not going to follow anymore because I didn't like that you talked about this at all, or you said this, and that's their choice. And I'm like, I think there's also a part where you kind of go, 
um, man, like that's okay. You know, like I'm not offended by that. Like that's, that's the world we live in and Mm -hmm. places that really do speak to you and that's okay. You know? So I think just being able to be more open-handed as well with people and not feel like any follow or unfollow is really a measurement of success or not. I think the greater measurement of success for us is just, are we staying true to our mission and our values? And are we really helping women? Yeah. I really like how you said open-handed And it it reminds me of that picture of just like surrendering the process to God, which I know you like, you know, of course are familiar with having to do every day and going, okay, God, just do whatever you can with this. And, you know, I'm going to be okay with whatever you turn this into, because you're the one that created it in the beginning. Anyways, it's, this is yours, you know, and that open-handed feeling, like I once heard a pastor say that, you know, he was talking about generosity and um, just being able to give. And he was saying that if you, you know, hold what you have with an open hand, it's better because you can also receive something as well. Whereas if you hold on to what you have with a closed fist, you can't get anything in there either. So you're kind of stuck with just what you have that you're holding on to. So, um, Man, that's, that's really good. Um, that's a really brilliant point that you just made about the open hand. Cause we've actually experienced that. I think too, as a company, I think the times that we've decided to um, be open hand with people and to actually talk about difficult things. Um, an example that we recently had somebody uh, on our platform and it's one of the top viewed articles at the moment. I don't know when, you know, when this airs, it'll still be, but it, um, it was about a woman sharing her experience with having an abortion and the healing journey afterwards and coming to turn, she's a believer, but she talks about it. And she just almost like, Hey, I wish people would know this when they have this conversation around abortion, just as somebody who's walked through that. And it was so honest. It was so, um, she's just filled with so much grace and humility and it just bravery to even share her story. And, mm-hmm. um, we decided to have that conversation and we go, okay, like this is what we have a platform for so that women can open up about these real things and, and yeah. share and being open-handed about it. You know, I think you never know what happens us being willing to do that and just go, okay, that's what we're here to do. And if, if maybe somebody doesn't want to hear this piece, and they unfollow because they don't even, they have a very strong, strong, strong reaction to even us talking about this. Okay. But this is true to our values. And we've had, you know, women respond um, to that article saying, me too. Thank you. Like, thank you for, for sharing this because I feel like so much shame here on this topic, or I feel like I can't bring my whole self in certain environments. And so to be able to, to hear this story or to read this article has brought a little bit of healing to my journey as well. And a little hope for wow. me, I'm like, oh, okay. So that to me is like, when you choose to be open-handed, yeah. God gives you certain things in that process, you know, it's like so yeah. how that works. And um, yeah, it's just like, to keep that open hand, you know? Yeah, that's, that's really cool. It's almost like an invitation saying you're welcome here. That's right. <laughs> like this is a place for you. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine that would be really tough to decide if you want to bring that to light right now, because you know, it, I don't like how polarized everything is, how, if you stand for one thing, that means that you're all the way on this side. And if you think something else is important, then that means that you are on this side and that you can't see eye to eye to maybe people on both sides, never, you know? And so it's like one against the other. I, I don't like people being pinned against each other. I don't like Christians being pinned against each other. I don't like women being pinned against other women for things that maybe they don't understand or things that they haven't experienced or things that they just need to talk about. And when I say need, it's like, I guess you don't have to, you don't have to talk to somebody that believes something differently than you, but it's healthy to be able to have that in your toolbox to be able to take out your card and go, I am willing to listen. I am willing to learn something. You are valuable to me because you're valuable to God. And I'm not going to treat you like I'm more important than you right now. So I'm willing to listen to you. So I I think that you guys do a good job at, at um, just yeah, being open to listen and share what you've learned and what other people have to share. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, that's right. I, I think it's nonsense for us to to attack each other and see each other as, you know, I think we're all complex. And I actually think most people are not polar opposites on these things. I think that Amen. complex. I like that we word. We are. We're multifaceted. And, um, and I kind of reject this idea that if you check one box, you automatically, like to your point, are anti all these other things. You know, I think we've got to be able to go and, and um, not one party when it comes to politics or culture 
actually fits the mold or the box of the way of the kingdom of God, because they're man-made constructs. So it's like, okay, I got to have like Jesus as my guide here. And that's going to help me know how to interact in all these different things that are happening in society and happening in politics and happening in my community. Um, And yeah. And I think when we lose sight of that is where we end up pitted against each other instead of actually like seeking to be the family of God together and make space for more people, you know? Yeah, that's good. I, I really picked out what you said before about, you said, I reject that. Do you, yeah. do you say that often? Like I reject this or like, I, re- I reject that mindset or, or whatever, where did that come from? I don't know. That was, I guess I don't say it that often. I think it's something that I'm really passionate about after this. Yeah. Maybe it just came out of that because man, we just, and I love what you said about Christians attacking Christians. I'm like, what, what are we doing? Like, they will know that we are Christians by the way that we love each other. Like, that's it. That is the measure of how the world sees discipleship. And I, and I just feel like we have a lot of ways that we can heal and grow in this area as Christians. Um, so yeah, it's probably something that, you know, I just have seen and, I think we've all seen this last year at different moments. Sure. I've been tempted to engage in, but to me, I'm like, oh wait, no, no, no. We are actually not supposed to attack each other. We're supposed to be for each other. Like we yeah. are the we are the church. We're the kingdom of God it, on the earth. We are His children, and so mm-hmm. it's like, you know what I mean? Just coming back to that basic truth, I think. I think it's, it kind of is more out of that, but you did make me realize I should probably say that every now and again, more often about things. Cause it is pretty strong. I reject that. I reject that. You know, I, I have to say this reminds me of my mother-in-law shout out to Maria Montalvo, but she actually does that in her speech quite often. She has a lot of fruits of the spirit. She was um, saved 10 years ago and never looked back. And honestly, she, she does that when she speaks and I actually notice it. And when you said it, it reminded me of her, but she says, if someone says something encouraging and they're like really supporting someone, she'll say, Oh, I received that for them. Or yeah. I received that. Or, or like, if you say, I believe that you're going to get that job you want, Maria, she'll be like, Oh, I received that. Thank you. But if, if she, if she hears someone speak poorly about someone or says something that is not lined up with what the kingdom of God says, or what the word says, she's like, I don't receive that. I'm like, you know what? That is very healthy to be like, Nope. Doesn't even enter my worldview. Like I don't yeah. receive that negativity. I'm like, Oh man, you just really made me like go, you know, that's a healthy way to look at something that's, that's pretty, you know, pretty bad and going not coming in here. Yeah, that's right. Cause we got to have ownership over our soul, right? Like we get to kind of determine that. So yeah, I like, I like that a lot too. I'm going to put it into practice a bit more. <laughs> ownership over our soul. Maybe that's what this episode will be called. I love it. <laughs> Um, okay. So I have bounce around in all the questions I, you know, had wanted to ask you in a normal conversation, but, um, let's dive in a little bit more into your faith. So, you know, as a, um, I know, I know your story. I know you grew up in California and that you grew up in the church, but is there a moment when your faith became more real to you? Like maybe a single strong commitment that, you know, stands out more than more than the others. Yeah. Well, so a couple of things I, all my adult life has been in California. I actually grew up in Arizona. Um, so like desert girl, uh, and, uh, my family all came to know Jesus and have like a personal faith in him around the time starting around the time that I was like 12 years old. And, um, before that, not, we were not in a Christian home. And so it's, I think part of my experience, um, is a little bit of a unique one because I, I became a Christian when I was 12. I started going to church regularly and really growing in my faith in like um, my middle school, high school years. And that really propelled me into like fully following Jesus and growing in my faith and having a heart for ministry and even entering into ministry and all of that. But I grew up in a home where uh, we were were raised uh, Catholic, but Um, it was very just like you're Catholic because you're Mexican. Like that was it, you know? So we just like, and it wasn't, you were very much on the fringes, you know, of what that meant. Beans, rice, and Mary. Yeah. Beans, rice, and Mary. That's it. It all goes together. Yeah. Yeah. expected. But truly. Yeah. So we, uh, I went to Catholic school. Um, My parents sent me and my sister there. So we did learn about faith in that context, but in our family, it was just really like, it's more cultural than it was a personal relationship um, with, with Jesus at all. And also my family, 
um, two loving parents, older sister, we loved each other, but there was also a lot of dysfunction in our home. My dad was an alcoholic from the time I was born until about 10. And um, so we saw a lot of addiction and a lot of uh, strife in my parents' marriage and a lot of uncertainty in, in how that was all going to land. There was always the talk of divorce kind of in the background. And um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of dysfunction in our home and a lot of dynamics that were just hard for me as a kid to go. I know I have two loving parents, but I'm seeing this happening and not really feeling like you can talk about that outside your home. And how do you process that? And what does that mean for you? You know, all of these things I'm asking myself. And when I was 10, my um, my grandfather passed away and I never knew him. I never really had a relationship with him because my dad, it was my dad's father. He had a really broken relationship with his dad and a lot of hurt there, but he did attend his father's funeral. He's actually named after his father. He's a junior. And at the funeral, he saw his name on a gravestone and it just did something to him. It kind of was his first like wow. moment of going, oh, like eternity is real and my life is short. And what am I doing with my life type moment? So he came back from that and he said to um, myself, my sister, my mom, um, hey, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm going to quit drinking and we need to find a church. And so those are the two things he just came back resolved to do for us. And you know what, to his credit, like I, I have so much respect for my dad. He actually quit drinking and he's been sober ever since. Um, there's a lot of other things. I think a journey of healing for him that went beyond the drinking for him to, you know, um, to go on as he grew in his faith and began following Jesus. But it really started there for him. And then we went to like every church in Tucson, Arizona, you could go to every week, we just went to a different church. And we kind of thought as a family, like my dad is just having a, like, he's acting weird right now, but he's not drinking. So cool. You know, like, we're like, great. But we were like, I don't know what kick dad's on. This is kind of weird. But we thought it was just a phase and it would like, you know, phase out. But we went to we went to every church um, possible. And then he remembered the name of a church that my, um, my great aunt that I never met because she passed away before I was born. But my dad actually had a really great relationship with who was the first real Christian in his family. And she would invite him to church. And this was back when he was like a teenager. And he always said, no, it's not for me. But she was just so loving and kind to him at a season in his life when really not a lot of other family members were able to offer that to him. And so he remembered the name of the church that she used to go to. And so he said, I don't know if it's still around, but let's look it up in the, this is back in the day when people looked at phone books, you know, yellow pages. And Instead actually, of throwing them away. Yeah. yeah. Recycle. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't think I've ever, I don't even think we have one in, in our house. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, the church still existed. It was called Grace Chapel in Tucson and it was a, a four square church and um, kind of similar to a lot of non-denominational or maybe Assemblies of God type church, which was really new environment for us having grown up, um, just kind of going to Catholic church every now and then. Um, but it was there that each and each one of us as a family individually just had our own personal encounters with God and making a decision to follow Jesus and making it very personal. So for me, that was when I was at a kid's camp that I went to through that church when I was 12. And I just remember always thinking that like I enjoyed church. I enjoyed going to church on Sunday because I had a kid's church and it was fun. But I kind of just thought that's what you did. Like it never really registered to me that it was supposed to be a personal thing. But when I was at this camp, it was just so clear to me um, during a worship song. And I don't even remember the song. And I just know the singing was off and bad. It was not great. Nothing about the environment was super great. But I was just standing there as a kid, 12 years old. And it was so clear to me that God loved me and that he had a plan for my life. And that was so revolutionary for me to receive at 12, because I didn't know that God loved me. A lot of times I thought God was mad at me or just distant or didn't care because there's a lot going on. I didn't really feel seen by God until that moment. And then the idea that God had a purpose for my life, man, that really rocked me because I, because of some of the dynamics in our home, it was kind of a joke, but like my sister was a, an accident. I was a mistake or vice versa. Like that's kind of the language that got used in the home. And it wasn't certainly intentionally trying to like put that label on us. I just think my parents didn't know any better and it was their way to process their own story and their marriage. But it landed for me feeling like 
in life. And when I looked around, I just saw people surviving. I didn't see people thriving. I didn't see people like having a desire or being able to really make a massive difference. And so then all of a sudden as a 12 year old to go, God loves me. And he has a purpose for my life. Like I'm not an accident. Like there's such intention to every detail in my life and that God wants to use me to do something good. Like that was amazing. So for me, it was really radical. I know people's journeys are different and how they progress in their faith, but it was like, I came back from that camp and every day from that day on, I was reading my Bible and I've not missed a day since like praying. I was at church. You couldn't get me out of church. Like I was begging my parents. Can I just go and hang out? I was like the youngest youth intern in our youth ministry, I was like, which they didn't really know what to do with me because I was 12. So they're kind of like, I feel like we have to babysit you. So they just made me like the janitor. Honestly, I just would clean the youth facility, but I loved it. I just, I ate it up, you know? And I, and I even remember telling my, my friends at school, I came back from that summer and I was like, guys, I got to tell you the most amazing thing happened. I became a Christian and you got to become Christians too. And they were like, what are you talking about? You weird Young you know? evangelist. Like, oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah, it was really radical for me. And I think, um, and then my, my journey, you know, I've just grown in my faith since then. And Um, began in full-time ministry when I was 19 and just like God's had me on a journey doing a lot of different things in my life. But I just always kind of go back to that place of being a 12 year old who was just so uncertain of her place in the world and seeing what was going on in my home and just wanting more and not knowing what that would look like for me. And then just for me, I'm like, I kind of pinch myself like often, you know, like God, you found me. Like you just made it so clear that you love me. And here I am like just your grace, you know, like by your grace. And it's been amazing to see what God's done in my family. Like the level of restoration and healing God has brought to me. My parents have a really, really strong marriage today. And I even thought as a kid that they'd still be married, you know, and my dad has been not only just sober free, but just walked in such levels of freedom and strength as a man that it's just been amazing to see him like general generational curses, just broken mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. dad's lifetime and the choices that he's made. And for my sister and I, and same thing with my mother, like, it's just, it's just been really extraordinary um, to see how God has moved. So I'm really grateful every day. And, it, and I keep, I think that also that moment when I was 12, just keeps fueling me with a level of mission for my life. Like, I just want more people to have that kind of experience, you know, just to know that God loves them, to know that God has a plan for them. Wow. Amen. Wow. That is amazing. Can we just like clap it up? Just like, congratulations. Go, God, go, God. Like, I feel like I'm in like a, like a church service right now. I'm like, wow. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, you guys, it's like such a blessing, not just have someone answer a question, but to be able to like relive, um, a spiritual moment that they had and feel like you were there. I'm like, mm-hmm. I think I knew 12 year old Nicole. I think I yeah. was there. I think we were friends. You were a janitor and I was watching you. No, I, I, I can imagine a 12 year old being like that. Hey, can I just be like your little sister, you know, and ministry, yeah. you know, they say, if you want to work full-time ministry, you really need to first be able to stack chairs and run a vacuum and girl, yeah. you got in early. So <laughs> I could totally see that working out for you. Oh my gosh. Wow. And then you were doing full-time ministry. Did you say full-time ministry when you're by your time you were 19 yeah. in college and you're like, yeah. okay, you know what? This is my job. I, I can't imagine that as a college yeah. kids are very, they're going through their identity and they're kind of going first time away from mom and dad. What am I going to get into? I was like, I'm going to get my belly button pierced. And Nicole was like, I'm going to be in full-time ministry. I'm like, hashtag goals. Oh my goodness. I'm going to start praying for my daughter right now that I don't even have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so much. Well, I I guess I should say, you know, when you're 19 in full-time ministry, you are kind of figuring out these things. Like, you know, like, I don't even really know who I am, but cool. You know, so there's a lot of uh, learning and grace along the way for me. Yeah, for sure. I, what did, what does that look like in your story where you go, this was my moment. I was young, but then as a young person that kind of is rooted in the word or rooted in God's love and the purpose he has for their life, 
and then looking forward going, okay, but you know, this person, this 12 year old doesn't have access to friends, alcohol, curfews, um, driving, all these things that become, you know, idols or temptations or relationships, things like that. And so, you know, not that that's a pit that every Christian needs to fall into, you know, they have maybe a peak of faith when they're young and then they kind of go down and then they come back. I don't like looking at it like that because that makes it seem like the trajectory is so man-made and that that happens to everybody. And that that's for all of God's children. And that's not what he has for all of us. You know, our stories can be very different. And so, you know, what did that look like for you as a woman kind of growing up in the faith and then also kind of going, well, I I don't stand by that decision. And I regret that, but I know that I was into Christ and, you know, like, how did you navigate that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, I would say, I, I, I guess I don't have the, the common experience of, yeah, like I didn't, I didn't, you know, do the, the wild rebellious stuff, you know, that, that people talk about often. And that is a part of somebody's story. And I don't say that in a, in a judgmental way at all. Cause I think like God's grace for every story. Like I just told you what happened at 12. Like that's by God's grace, not me. Like I almost look at the fact that I had that kind of experience when I was 12, that to me is like a a massive blessing because that could have happened later in life for me. And I know I would have done all of those things, you know, that like other people, maybe it's part of their testimony and then some. So, um, but I don't have that typical story that I do think you sometimes hear when people do like, to your point, have a moment of like conversion or faith and then college happens or life happens and then they come back. That's, that's kind of, that's not my story. I just been following Jesus since I was 12. And I think that, um, I think part of it for me has been, I have, how do I, how do I, I think because I was so wowed by God's love, um, that he loved me, that it was so personal, that that was like one of the first revelations I had of like how much God of the universe, like actually wants to spend time with me. I think one of the things that has just grown and developed for me and has been a constant in every season, even in the ones where I was really struggling internally with certain things or just trying to find my place in the world or dealing with insecurity or just growing and all of those things that are just natural as humans. I think having like that, that foundation of like my, my soul win for the day, like if it's nothing else is just to spend time with Jesus I think that keeps you in a really good space. And I think it's easy to end up making your faith about a whole lot of other things, about what you achieve, about where you're going, about, we can get so easily distracted in different seasons and other things can come priority. But I think if we can keep coming back to like, actually the greatest use of my day and in lieu of eternity is just to spend time with Jesus and to let him lead. That's like a really sweet spot, I think, that kind of keeps us from some of those um, kind of pitfalls that end up being you know, common in people's stories. Um, and then the other thing is purpose. Like I, you know, I've talked to some of my friends, everybody has different stories, but some of my friends are like, oh man. And especially even in my like early twenties and stuff, they'd be like, oh, you're missing out. Like you're living in LA doing ministry in the twenties. Like you could be going to these clubs. You could be going to these parties. You could be hanging out with these guys. Oh, he's cute. Whatever. Like all this stuff. And I never felt like I was missing out ever. Like I never wow. thought I was missing out because to me, I was like, what are you talking about? I'm missing out. You're missing out because I'm living from a deep sense of purpose. Like, I, like I'm seeing God move. I'm seeing God change lives. Like I was, I was a youth pastor for a few years and um, worked with a lot of inner city Los Angeles youth. I mean, I saw miracles happen in young people's wow. lives, like people coming out of gangs people uh, reconciled to their parents, people overcoming crazy amounts of abuse or just delivered. I I got to see that. So to me, I'm like, I don't think I missed out on anything. Like, I feel like, I feel like the kingdom of God is so much more rewarding than anything that the world has to offer. So Amen. I, you know, Woo! So I think if we can keep that perspective, right? Like if that is if we're yes. like actually living on mission and purpose, I'm like I don't really have a lot of time to to get into some of these other pitfalls. Now, I also want to say like sin is sin. So like how do we measure Sure, that? sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's like a caveat. Like 
So if, you know, if somebody is really in a bad situation and they're very, like, if, I don't know how to describe, like very far from God, I don't know. This is just, say you all of a sudden become like a drug addict. Okay. Like that addiction is sin. And so is my preaching a message and asking, Ooh, how'd I do? Who liked me? But that's sin too. Cause that's pride. Like it's sin is sin. You know, some is more, I think personally destructive than others. But I say that to say, like, I'm a no judgment seat here. So when I talk about my journey of faith and how like living life on mission, I'm not trying to say like, and I never sinned and I'm, we're all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. And so there's been a lot of things along the way, but it's been more of the internal stuff, you know, mm -hmm. pride, ego, insecurity, fear, unforgiveness, bitterness, like those things I've had to do the hard work of. And I think we all do. And that's its own journey too. You know what I mean? Hey, I love the part of your story. No FOMO. No yeah. FOMO. I have no fear of missing out. You guys are missing out. Like, did you see that party at the church? Like, yeah. you guys should have met me there. Like, oh yeah, you guys are doing all this like careless activities. Who cares? Uh, I was at church. People are getting transformed. Come, come see. Like, yeah. girl, you've got a lot of evangelical, um, you know, gifts and and giftings, and even just hearing you speak when you were so young, just like hearing that, I'm like, oh, that like fires up my heart because. There's something about, you know, like people hear the word evangelist or people hear the word like, oh, they're trying to evangelize or convert this person. And I think most people, 90% of people would be like, yeah, that's not a good thing. Like that's not, that's trying to yeah. force somebody or something, something like that. But God makes it into a beautiful thing when he turns it into come taste and see. Yeah. Come taste and see how good the Lord is. It's yeah. better for you. Like you're going to love it. Purpose and love and being rooted in the strength of the Lord. It's good. And I've tasted and I've seen, and I want, I want to invite you into that. And, and, you know, God tells us to go make disciples of all, of all nations. People hear that and go, sounds impossible. Another thing that God says, that sounds impossible. I'm not even going to try. But then the people that really take that personally and go, I think he's talking to me. Yeah. And, and it's not, it's not just me going and just going on a mission trip. It's actually me taking this to my, my friends and my family members and going, don't you guys want to experience this life here on earth that I, that I'm experiencing because it's that good. And, and like your story, honestly, like you having to say citizen, like we know, like, you know, that, that, that your story points towards God because um, I don't give you any credit for that story, man. I'm like, that was God's grace all over your 12 year old self. Like yep. that was not Nicole's decision. I can tell by the way she told that story that That's right. God loved her that much. And she just realized it and she was taken, you know, taken aback by it. And, 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 and your walk of obedience, I think a lot of people would hear it and go, Oh, she sounds like a goody two shoes. And it's like, yeah, yeah. but like, God did that to her. Did you hear the story? You know what I mean? It's like yeah, totally God first. And it's your response to him in the way that you're walking. So I, I think it's really inspirational. And even if people have a different story than you, I think they can still go, wow, that's beautiful. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm like, if you know me, you know, I'm definitely not a good teacher. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's accused me of that who actually knows me, but like, yeah, you're right. Everybody has a different story and God be glorified in all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like God be glorified mm. in every person's individual story. Yes. Amen. And I also want to just say, I think it's really cool that all of your family became believers together um, yeah. in the same season. Like that is a huge answer to prayer. And I'm sure, you know, like how many people wish that that was their story of like, I wish my whole family understood me, or I wish my whole family right. strong faith that they could really stand solid on. And, you know, I don't need to like mention who said this, but, um, you know, I have a relative that, uh, that we, we love dearly, but he's very sarcastic and he's older and he was holding our son, our newborn the other day. And he goes, you guys are going to be making a believer out of this guy. Right. I can already tell that you guys are going to be doing that. And we're like, yeah, like, what do you mean? Like, we're going to raise him with faith. Like, you know, us, like we love to sing and worship and talk about Jesus. Like, you know, that's who we are, but like, yeah, our son is going to learn like, you know, those fundamental, you know, pieces of yeah. how to be a Christian and be loved by God. And, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, um, it's amazing to me that that anyone could think that anyone can make somebody believe when it's God's first move of love that That's allows right. it to happen in the first place. It's it, but until we get that, it will never make sense. Yeah. That's how right. do you help someone 
make sense of it? How do you, how do you do that? <laughs> That's the question. Um, I do think a big part of it is like, I mean, what you, you articulated something very well. You talked, you know, about somebody's, the love of God has to be known to somebody. That's really the invitation that somebody responds to. You know, it's not like, mm. um, God has always made the first move, right? Like his, it's his love made known through Jesus on the cross, right? And his love personally experienced that opened somebody's heart to receive salvation, to begin to follow Jesus. So I think, I think the way that you make it known is by loving people really well and, um, and letting your life, letting your life be taste and see that the Lord is good, which I actually believe that it doesn't matter how difficult of a season that you're in or whatever challenges you're facing, you can still have a life that says taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, some of the most joyful people, the most hopeful people, the most generous people that I've experienced have been people who've been in some of their deepest moments of pain as well. But as a believer, they're just generous people, you know, it's not because they have all the money in the world to give, but they're just generous because God's so generous to them, you know, and it stands out or um, they could be going through a difficult season, but they have such a consistent hope. They bring hope into every room and it's not fake. It's just authentically coming from the love of God that they're receiving and they're giving that to other people. I think um, I think that you can, we, we, as if we're deeply, intimately connected to Jesus and receiving from him on a regular basis and living in his truth and following him, then our life like spills over. <laughs> so, wow. that, you know what I'm saying? Then we, we, that's where we're like light and dark places. It's an overflow of what's happening within us. We now have something to give to other people. And I think when people can see that, by our life and go, there's something different about that, you know, and they can experience it because of the way that we interact with them is so loving, is gracious, is kind, is truth telling, is the things that really are the fruit of the spirit. I think that's how people make it known. Like even with my story, yeah, I had a, I had a moment at a kid's camp when I was 12, but that moment never would have happened if first my great aunt Olga, who I never have met, wasn't loving and living her life in such a way before my dad, when he was a teenager, that planted seeds for him, that was going to lead us all as a family one day to Grace Chapel, that was then going to start this domino effect. Like, talk about a life well lived, and I'd have met, never met this woman, but there was something about the way that she lived her life, that my, my dad got a glimpse of God's love through her. And, and when he was ready, he knew where to go that's powerful. So I think that that's what we do. I think we live our life in a way that says taste and see. And I think we love people really well. Um, and, and I, and I don't think that anything's forced and I don't think, you know, what you're saying earlier about 90% of like how people describe evangelism is this things like, Oh, don't force that on me. Don't like force a conversion. But what we're talking about is nothing like that. There's no, it's just an invitation, but we're just making the invitation known to people and giving people the opportunity to open their hearts to receive that's beautiful. That's relational. That's like the work of God in people's lives, you know? So maybe that's the word instead of trying to convert people, we're not trying to do that. We're just ushering in opportunities to respond to invitations, you know, that God's making to humanity. Um, but yeah, that, that's the best answer I could give now. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the tough thing is it will always look um, forced by someone who doesn't understand the love of God. That's right. And that's kind of, you know, what, what your story says in a, in a, in a shell is like, um, we did a piece like a couple of weeks ago on like that your life should look really nuts. Honestly, if you're a Christian yeah. and it should point to the fact that, that there is the God is in existence. Like it should point to that. And if he's not in existence, you should look like a lunatic. Like that's, that's how much, you know, like he should be driving your actions and what you do and, and who you are and how you live your life. So it kind of like, shows the fact it's like, well, if God wasn't real, would Nicole have been doing all that stuff her whole life? Right. Would she have gotten to experience all that and, and changed her, you know, foundation from when she was so young, like who does that, yeah. you know? And, and I know that there are, um, 
let's, let's talk about this. This can be the next topic. So in this world, we have the word transformation always being thrown around and, you know, people experience transformations all the time. I mean, people can be unhealthy smokers, overweight, they start, you know, a fitness routine and a healthy diet and they're transformed. And, you know, people can go from one thing to the next by finding something amazing. Even if it's something small, a job, a podcast, a chapter in their life that makes them more healthy, even going to church, I feel more positive. Okay. What is the difference between that and the transformation we're talking about where Jesus enters your heart and it never looks the same? Yeah. Hmm. That's so good. Uh, well, I think the difference is primarily in like who's taking the lead of the transformation. And it's the difference between a Christian who's being transformed and, uh, and a person who is making good, sound, moral, and religious decisions, outwardly, a lot of the behaviors could look the same, but inwardly, the heart is very different. So when the spirit of God is at work in us, the, the outward things that are changing is just the result of the deep work inside side that the Holy Spirit's doing. And that's a daily thing, right? As we're following Jesus, we're becoming more like him, not because we're making it something that we're setting out to do all the things just like Jesus and our willpower is going to get us there. No, it's out of this relationship with God. And because we have faith in Jesus, now we actually have access to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. He lives within us. He dwells within us like this. That's amazing. That's its own sacred mystery. But then it's out of this deep relationship where we're on the continual end of receiving love and truth, right? That we're being transformed. So it's not our behavior that's changing immediately. It's the inward work that then has an impact on our behavior, right? And I actually think that that's not necessarily solely found in a Christian context. I think some people could do the deep work and go, I'm going to heal internally from certain things and abuse or certain things that's happened or trauma in my life. And as those places get, as I address those internal places of fear and isolation and rejection and whatever those things are, and those things start to uh, uh, get addressed, then, then I'm actually starting to take care of myself better, right? Or I'm starting to interact differently with people. So I don't think that it's only in a Christian context that you'll see this principle applied, but the most absolutely transformational, the one that, that is going to bring the most lasting change and complete healing and complete freedom and complete deliverance is, is only going to take place when the author of life is leading that change, right? Like if you want something to be new, it's whoever's leading the transformation. So to me, it's that you're letting Jesus take the driver's seat of your life and letting the Holy Spirit do the work that he wants to do. That's really different, by the way. I think that's actually the gutsy way to live life because you're not in control. Like you're responding to the leading of God and leading of Jesus and leading of the Holy Spirit, but you're not in control. And I think a lot of times we settle for more of religion than relationship because we like to be in control. We like to decide which areas of our life get to be changed, which behavior behaviors are important to us. And so then we kind of build a relationship with God that is really more religion because we're looking for behavioral modifications and, and, and we're doing the right things and we're around the right people and we're looking a little better and our life is getting more polished. What ends up happening is we end up building a faith that has Christian language, but it's really self-help. But when you, when you open your heart and your life to say, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you are transforming my life. Every day I'm showing up. And I'm showing up, living in the reality of your love and truth, and I'm letting you lead me. So that means every area of my life is open for you to lead. Like every area of my life, you can, if you want to talk about my relationship with my dad, go for it. Even though I would rather not, if that's what you want to speak to right now, if you want to talk about me being bitter about that thing that didn't go that way, I would rather not. I'd like to live with this bitterness, but if you are leading and you want to go there, then you get to go there. That that's transformation that is like wow. undeniable and it's gutsy and it's bold to let Jesus take the lead. But that's what I think, even going back to other questions of like, man, the reason I don't have FOMO is because like, this is the transformation work that I'm going after. And so sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's crazy and sometimes it's messy and all this stuff, but it is true transformation. Um, and I, I don't want to settle for, you know, just 
having certain areas of my life get better over time because I kind of took some principles that were Christian and applied in my life. Like I want, I want God to change me from the inside out. That's a different thing. Yeah. The real thing. Yeah. The real thing. But how do you, that's the thing is, is before you've experienced it, it doesn't seem possible. And, and I remember there were times in my life where I'm like, what is this that people share that's so passionate? It reminds me of the passion that I have for fitness, but I can't describe my faith the way they're describing it. I didn't know if it was, they had different words for it, or they were just experiencing something recent that I had experienced a long time ago. I didn't understand, but then it was like, well, is, is it a priority to me? Is it number one? And is it, is it, can I say that, you know, I'm letting God lead me my whole life or am I kind of controlling it and then inviting him into the spaces? I think he, he can, micromanage a little bit while I'm micromanaging him. You know what I mean? It's like, there's a big difference than going, all right, I have to be gutsy. Like you said, and really give over control and you lead. That's scary. That's really scary. (laughs) Yeah. You have, I think the only way that we're able to do that is when we're living in the revelation of his love, because you can't, you can't entrust your life to somebody that you doubt whether or not they're fully going to show up up for you or they fully love you like even the act of surrendering all of our life is just in response to a revelation of God's love like it's and I and I do think when we lose sight of it is also where we end up in these like religious behavior modification instead of the heart transformation is because um if if we've lost sight of God's love then why would we let him have the driver's seat but if I know he loves me and I know his love is perfect then why wouldn't I let him lead my life like that's going to be the best way to go you know And going back to like, even people who don't understand because they don't have the faith. I think the only thing that opens people's hearts to beginning to follow Jesus is it's got to start with the revelation of love because you can't surrender to somebody that you don't know loves you. So no, no, that's not real. Right. Yeah. But when people try to start that and get behavior modification, which does look like a little bit of transformation, they they can't end up with the same result because- they don't know, they haven't tasted and seen. That's right. Right. Full yeah. circle. Let's go. Yeah. So the, this, this is, um, this is, you know, of course a Bible verse. I know that you're familiar with, um, but it's Romans two, four, this is the NIV version. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So Nicole, in your words, how do you explain that part at the end that says, you know, do you realize that God's kind, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Can you explain that to us and just kind of share your thoughts? Yeah. I used to think when I was younger, I would probably have interpreted this verse and been like, yeah, it's because God loves us so much. And like, he's so loving towards us that we're able to make these changes. And, and, and repentance is really um, such a, such a Christian phrase, right? We don't talk about, but it's actually something that everybody repents quite often. It's turning away from one thing to fully embrace another. So you're admitting that was not the right way. I'm going to go a different direction. And so God's kindness leading us to a place where we'd go, oh, that's sin or that's wrong, or that's my way. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm turning to you and I'm following your way. Yeah. I think all of those things are birthed out of love, but I do think that the more, the older I'm getting, the more that I'm seeing like, God is our father, which means he's, he's got a perspective that we don't, we're children, he's the dad. And I do think sometimes we are frustrated because we, we label things as unkind that God would not, you know, like I, mm-hmm. if I'm a kid and my mom doesn't let me, when I'm a kid, doesn't let me eat ice cream for dinner, I'm mad at her. You're so mean mom. And I might even say that you're so mean. But when you get a little older, you're like, thank God you didn't give the kid ice cream. They'd be up all night. They'd probably throw up and be so, you know, like (laughs) it's actually your kindness that is saying no, it's your kindness. Like, so I think in order to interpret this verse, I need to be able to one, yes, recognize like it is God's love. It's a revelation of God's love that causes us change. But I also have to leave room for the fact that I am so immature in comparison to the maturity of God. So he knows what I need more than I do. So sometimes the way that he might show me love is discipline, is correction, is rebuke, is somebody coming and saying, yo, get it together. What are you doing? You shouldn't be making this choice. 
I actually have to be able to go, that's God's love too. Like he's, mm-hmm. it's his kindness. He's being kind to me right now because he wants me to do well in life. He wants to see mm-hmm. me and he wants to see me flourish. He wants to see me thrive. So I, I, I have to be open to receiving all expressions of God's kindness. You know, I, I don't get to dictate how he chooses to reveal his kindness or express his kindness to me. I just get to receive it and choose repentance. So I think that's like an equal part of understanding the verse is I've, I've got to then believe God is kind. So if it's coming from him, it's out of his kindness, not just go, oh, well, that wasn't kind. So I won't repent. You got to do it in my yeah. way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like right. I've got to trust that if he's delivering it, it's kind. And there's something maybe I don't see that he sees, but it's good because he's dad and I'm not, and he's taking care mm. of me. And so I'm going to repent. I'm going to trust him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It all comes from that trust and knowing that, that he loves you. Not only he has a different perspective, you know, than we, than we do, but he loves us and yeah. what's good for us or what's best for us, you know, might not look in long-term, like what we, what we think is, is best for us. I mean, you know, a person goes through a breakup that they were hoping to marry that person. Oh my gosh. Why would God bring me through this pain? Right. That's, yeah. that's doesn't look kind. Right. But it's like, what if, that person wasn't meant for you. And, and you were meant to go through this to understand how good you're going to have it when you're in, you know, you know, walking with the Lord a little bit closer, finding someone that was actually going to spur you on towards him for the rest of your life. And you look back and go, actually, it was God's kindness that led me through that breakup. Because if I was still in that today, it's not where that, that wasn't what was best for me, but God knew that, you know, that's right, man. Okay, Nicole, today we've had a true friendship hangout in front of everybody, which yeah, I've loved. Love so thank you so much for coming on the Embrace podcast. And I would like to have anybody that wants to follow you or catch up with you um, be able to. So where should they go? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, it's been so fun. Thank you for having me. Uh, they can go to iridescentwomen.com and you can subscribe to our site, get all the articles, videos, resources. You can also become a member there, which I really encourage you to check out our membership. And then, uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at iridescent women. We also have a podcast and you, we, you're one of our guests on our podcast. So to give you a preview of what it's like, we really love the, um, just extraordinary women we get to interview and spend some time with. So that's the iridescent podcast and that's on really anywhere you can find a podcast. And, um, personally, you can also follow me on Instagram at Nicole Smithy and then Nicole is my website, but really I'm on Instagram more. So just, that's probably the best space to find me. Are we all okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for just coming on. Love you girl. Bye. Yeah. We are a women's program that helps build a daily routine around Bible study, prayer, and fun fitness workouts. Get a month free with code EMBRACEPODCAST.